Welcome to Wine For Me podcast, where I chat to anyone that can give you and me insight into the South African wine industry. Please enjoy. Today, I talk to Rutke van Wijk, winemaker at Stark Condé. Rutke van Wijk was a Cape Winemakers Guild protégé, and at the time, he worked with Aubrey Beerslaar at Canonkop. He is now at Stark Condé and was recently appointed Diners Club Young Winemaker of the Year 2018. Rutke, tell me, have you always had a passion for wine? That's actually a good question. I grew up in George, so my first answer would be, no, I didn't even know what wine was. (laughs) Um, I think besides watching my parents drink beer and spirits, it was probably the closest thing I came to wine. Although over the years I've moved and appreciated wine more because uh, I've, I'm the youngest of three brothers okay. and my middle brother uh, was the first to study winemaking at the University of Stellenbosch. And during his tenure he used to take me through the cellar where he worked while I was still in school and I found it really interesting the field and the industry that he was in. I would always tell people that my personality is usually atypical, uh, I don't want to be the same as anyone else. I think that each one is really unique in, in what they do. And uh, I thought, well, typically not doing the doctor thing or lawyer thing, and I wanted to work with people because I like to work with people and being outside in nature. Um, I thought, well, I want to do this too. Okay. So uh, after matric, I finished my schooling. I went over to the University of Stellenbosch. And yeah, that's where the passion grew. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then... You did become a protégé at the Cape Winemakers Guild program. So tell us, how do you get selected in that process? Okay, so in my third year, uh, I managed to achieve a a bursary uh, through the Winemakers Guild. Uh, And that's probably, in your third year, you're probably a bit scared on on what you're going to do in the future and and where you're going to end up. And this opportunity arose and I got the bursary. And then in my fourth year, we had to get interviewed by... Um, the chairman of the Winemakers Guild, which is quite rigorous because they ask a whole lot of questions on um, planting vineyards um, on a certain site and, and how you're going to manage to make that wine to the quality of the Winemakers Guild. Okay. So, yeah, I would say to think that I, hopefully I would answer the, all the questions correctly. And that's where I ended up uh, as part of the protégés. Fantastic. Well, well done for that, because that opened a lot of doors for you, right? So, one of the doors was Aubrey Beerslaw, right? You worked with him at the time you were a protégé, and Aubrey was three times World Winemaker of the Year at the International Wine and Spirit Competition. Tell me, did you learn a lot from him? Well, yes. Uh, like I said, I, I was from George, so uh, for me and my, my cultural group, uh, Kanonkov, which is one of the biggest names, uh, probably the one first growth seller in South Africa, if you would call that, uh, I didn't know what Kanonkov was. Um, so when I moved over there, I didn't really know what to expect, and I heard all about this no- noise about Aubrey and how good Kanonkov's wine were, so I was really excited. Um, Aubrey per se really, I think that is probably, besides Jose Conde from Stark Conde, he has been the best mentor for me in, okay. in my wine career. I really worked really hard during harvest. I think when Aubrey probably saw me, he probably thought, well, usually I have that intern that you really want to work hard and, and, and 
want to show him all the aspects of winemaking and the wine business. That was probably the hardest work I've ever done in my life before. But but <laughs> but it paid off. It paid off a lot. <laughs> yes. And there's still a lot of wine knowledge that probably mm. goes through trickles through from Aubrey and my tenure there. Okay, fantastic. <coughs> now you spent also time in Burgundy. Can you tell us about your experience there? Yeah, um, it's actually crazy. I've probably been in the industry for the last six years, of which I'm four years. I've, I've been at Stock Conde, so everything has been probably like a roller coaster for the for the last six years. The year after Kanonkov, I went to Burgundy, and that was probably the best moment or harvest of my life. I feel that every winemaker should go to Burgundy or at least France mm -hmm. just to experience that culture and uh, winemaking techniques and the way they believe how to make wine and how it combines with food and family and joyous mm -hmm. occasions. And that's probably been one of the mm -hmm. lessons I've learned during my mm -hmm. way or ethos of winemaking is to mm -hmm. always remember that wine is there to make people feel good and, and mm -hmm. to have at family. Okay, it's not just something in the bottle. It's a whole. Um, it's a whole yeah, spectrum it's, of it's things. Yeah, it's a spectrum. It's a whole it's a feeling. Lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It yeah. makes you feel good, special. Yeah. So tell me, how did you end up with Jose Conde then? Okay, so that's also a really interesting story. So uh, a week before we left for Burgundy, mm -hmm. uh, I saw the Stock Conde assistant winemaker position being advertised on the internet, and I thought, well. Um, I've always known in my during my student years that uh, Stockholm had made really good wines, mm -hmm. although they were, they were still really expensive that time mm -hmm. while I was still a student. Um, so I applied for the job, not really thinking that I would get the job, but also just you have nothing to lose because you're going to Burgundy. Yes. So a week before that, I applied, and on on the Friday, Jose sent me an email to say that can we meet up for a meeting or interview and just chat about um, the position. Mm -hmm. And I told him I'm leaving for Burgundy on Monday and my experiences that I had. And then on, on the Sunday, actually, he just sent me a message, a really good message that the job is mine and if I'm willing to take it and that I should enjoy Burgundy and learn a lot. And yeah, we can discuss the whole job when I get back. So How long did you spend in Burgundy? Um, so I, I was there during the August, 2015 August, regarded as one of the best so far yeah, in Burgundy. Right. Um, I was there for four weeks, I think, and then I had time to travel, uh, at least spend a week in Champagne, a week in, in Rhone, and a week in Bordeaux. Now, I just want to say something about Jose Conde because I also worked for him in the past. Um, he is a self-trained winemaker from Missouri. Um, and he's won numerous awards over the years. Um, he had 90 plus point wines on Wine Spectator, um, many, many five-star platter wines. And it started with his first Cabernet in 1998, actually. Um, so he's made his name right from the start in the industry. How do you feel about filling his shoes now that you're actually a winemaker here at Stock <laughs> Um Firstly, it's big shoes to fill. Um, I knew that uh, from the start and I also knew and I told myself that one day I wanted to be winemaker here when I started to be assistant winemaker. Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot from Jose, but like every guy I think with their ego, you want to be better than the previous generation. Yes. Um, so yeah, I've gained a lot of experience business-wise and through the winemaking and I tend to think that we get to gel a lot with, with our ethos and way of wine thinking when it comes to the vinification. Oh, and that's very important because yeah. you work closely together. Yeah. Okay, you must tell us more about the 
amazing field blend. It's a white field blend that has won um, now a major award, a trophy for white wine blend 2016 at the Six Nations Wine Challenge. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that wine. Yeah, so that was quite a good accolade. That block is about two hectares big, planted on 11 different soil types. It's actually a big headache if you have to plant vineyards on 11 different soil types. Each yeah. type of cultivar would grow differently and react differently to the different soil type. So eventually you had to plant uh, four different varietals on the block, uh, Roussan, Chenin Blanc, Viognier uh, and Vitello, which he thought that we can typically make it in or pick it in uh, that Madeiran style from Portugal, which they usually used to pick the grapes at one time and vinify everything at the same time. Okay, fermenting it all together. Yeah, okay. fermentations. So for me, um, just thinking outside the box and bringing something new into this whole wine is making a positive out of a negative is that you actually have the building blocks here to build a really mm. absolute great white wine. You have different characteristics from, from the different cultivars, you have different pros and cons and mm. you can actually combine them to make yes. the ultimate white wine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what we do is we, we pick it at different stages, at different sugar levels or, or bricks levels. Um, then we would press it and ferment it, co-ferment it as one juice after okay. which we'll uh, mature it in about 95% uh, barrel and the rest would be in cement eggs. Uh, is it all new oak or do you use um, So new barrel oak? regime would be about 5% new French okay. oak barrels uh, and then uh, the rest would be neutral oak. Okay. A small bit of second fill and then... So it's not a heavily oaked wine, it's yeah. just a well-balanced, I'm going to taste it now <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> when that, I walk That's out. correct. Um, yeah, we probably get into that question, but that's the whole ethos. We've been talking about this the other day, is that I think the world is moving away from heavily oaked wines. Mm -hmm. uh, me and Jose have been talking, my personal opinion is that I'm also personally moving away from a lot of yeah. oak. Just to express the area which we are sitting here, and this is such a beautiful area. where Tell we us a little bit more about the location here for our foreign visitors, how to get to you and yeah, where, so why is it special? Dark Honey Wines is based in the Yonkersuk Valley in Stellenbosch. Um, this valley is historically renowned to receive the most rainfall in the whole of Western Cape. So um, we receive about 1,200 millimeters per, per annum of rain, while the CBD of Stellenbosch probably receives about 500 to 600 moles annually, historically. Wow. And you're only, what, six kilometers six away? Six kilometers away, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, also, people talk a lot about terroir, and I think this is actually the definition about terroir. We're situated in a valley um, surrounded by mountains, and all our vineyard sites has different elevations with different aspects mm. um, and different times of sunlight. So okay. that plays a big role on the development of the grape and the berry. And also at the end of the day, you get different styles of wines and, and different mm. styles of Cabernet, which we're quite renowned for. On, yeah. On this. One of the characteristics of the Star Conde caps and Syrahs, you get a bit of that fine boss and herbal character, but not the bad herbal like the yeah. green pepper, more of a fine boss like that sort of um, herbal. And it's lovely. Um, I remember always loving that in these wines. It's very unique. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's that's really something special because I feel also we've moved over to organic winemaking. Uh, okay. This was our first vintage. Uh, we in conversion, our first in conversion oh, okay. certified, and that's probably the main way of thinking now on the farm is to farm sustainably. 
Okay. Um, and it's so nice to see all the creatures coming back to the vineyard. Um, the honeybees, you have deers, you have you have predators, but you have you have to have the good and the bad to function in a yes. good ecosystem. Yeah, and that just carries through straight to the wines. Like you said, you can taste actually some notes of fungus also. Yes. That's really good. Stockonda is situated in a very, very pretty area in, in the Western Cape. I mean, the whole Western Cape is pretty, but this is quite unique. And it's off the beaten track, so people need to make an effort to turn this way. And it has so much to offer at this property because there's also Jose's wife, Marie. She runs a cafe here, postcard cafe. Fantastic food. I can highly recommend her food. And then on top of that, they also have the most beautiful tasting room. It is a, a traditional barley gazebo on a big dam of water. So you walk over with a wooden bridge and you sit on the water and taste wine and it's fabulous. You have all the mountains, the Yonkosuk Mountains is right around you and it's just fabulous and you feel like you're far, far away from any city or town. It's yeah. just such a beautiful spot. So it's highly recommend that people must come visit Stockonde. And then just to get back to um, wine again, your favorite varietal, what would you say? That's actually really a difficult question. Uh, I've been asked that question uh, several times um, and I've always been thinking about this question a lot. I would say that there's a wine for each occasion. Mm -hmm. um, I really like to drink a lot of white in the summer months mm -hmm. and I really like to spend some time with my red wines in the winter. If I really had to choose with a gun to my head, I would probably say something like Cabernet Sauvignon or Pinot Noir, mm -hmm. um, the noble varietal. It's really interesting. You get really good other cultivars that's been made really well, but when you get a, a Pinot Noir or a Cabernet, New World or Old, it becomes really complex and it mm. lures you into the glass and actually it just reminds you of your childhood maybe of, or childhood memories that, that mm. you used to grow up. So it, it just gives you that experience of something else and it yes. puts you in another world. So yeah. it's really mystical. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Cabernet and Pinot, so I'll probably have to to, to say those two varietals probably my favorite. Well, I must agree with you on yeah. that. <laughs> I think Cabernet is like when you go see the big five, you must see the lions. Yes, that's correct. Uh, that's Cabernet for us. Yeah. Um, you did touch a little bit on your approach to winemaking. Can you elaborate on that a bit, your vision in winemaking? Yeah, so um, we talked about that and uh, the new thing is that since coming back from Burgundy, it has always been my plan to make wine or farm in a sustainable way or organically and I think the whole world um, should start thinking about moving over to that. I wouldn't say always organically but just be really prepared and, and honest when it comes to agriculture mm. because yeah, we can see the differences in temperature now and in the mm. world and, and that plays a significant role in, in, in farming these days. Yeah. So, from moving over to organics, we've always been concentrated on, on wild fermentations, on natural fermentations, Let, letting Mother Nature take its course. Mm -hmm. We do pijage, we do pulpovers in, in our wines without filtration. Um, okay, you still don't do filtering? No, no yeah. filtrations. We feel that actually the wine is a bit more purer mm. um, and it ages better for yeah. me personally. And yeah, the movement that I've been talking about is, is bringing the oak back and expressing the terroir more. That's the whole winemaking ethos here. Yeah. Um, letting Mother Nature take its course. Yeah, I remember Jose also said to me one day that 
when you fine and filter wine, you actually take some of the flavor yeah. out of it. And yeah, so he obviously liked to keep some of that um, complexity yeah. that that flavor brings to the wine. Now, you know, you're so young still. Do you have any big visions of what you want to accomplish uh, alongside Jose here at Stock Conde? Well, first thing is to probably just up the quality of our wines. Um, it's already been difficult starting with the Jose back four years ago. It's difficult to just better go better and better every year. Mm. Um, although I must say that uh, me and Jose are starting a new joint venture uh, mm. on Pinot Noir okay. um, called Caratara in hopes to produce really good quality Pinot at an affordable price. Okay. Um, your everyday drinking wine, you have people going into shops, wine mm. shops, just wanting a really good wine at an affordable yeah. price and that's the people that we're targeting because I'd like to grab a bottle of wine at the end of a hard day and, and I'll pop it open and, and just enjoy myself. Yeah, that's that's the focus. And specifically Pinot Noir, it's an all-rounder wine, you can have it with pretty much all kinds of food, so that's yeah. a good choice. Now, where would you get your grapes for the Pinot Noir? Do you have Pinot Noir grapes here on the farm? Um, we're planting Pinot Noir um, in Stellenbosch uh, okay. next year. And some people probably think that's crazy. Um, but like I said, we're in a really cool spot. Um, it's a really exceptional spot. So I'm really looking forward to that. Mm. Um, at the moment, uh, we're sourcing in Pinot from the Elgin region. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw some in from Yomel in Arda. Okay. And we had a small block of, of Pinot from Durbanville, so all cool climate Pinots, mm -hmm. um, and we're looking to grow on that. And so far, we've um, the 2018 vintage is up for sale. Um, we started with the 2017. Okay. So yes, my goal is to grow that company, and, and at the end of the day, if it's successful, I would like to um, give back to my community, and everything that the wine industry actually gave to me, I would like to help someone else out. And that would have its own unique label. Um, you, yes, you just, it would. Okay. And then tell me about the 2019 harvest. It's done, hey? Or the 2019 harvest is done, yes. Uh, <laughs> you can probably see it gave me a few more gray hairs on my head. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a unique vintage. This is probably, I think, for South Africa being in a drought for probably four or five years, mm. um, you can actually see the difficulties that the vineyards go through in this year, in this vintage. And we had a lot of uh, extreme climatic conditions. Um, during some, during, during August, yes. you, had, you had some late rains, you had mm. some heat waves, so the weather was up and down, cool nights. The positive part, and I always tell this to my wife and, and to my friends, is that you always have to see a positive out of this. Mm. Um, we have lower bricks levels, so the wines are lower alcohols and really complex, and we achieve phenolic ripeness um, during all these complicated growing conditions. So I'm really excited to see what the wines are going to do um, mm -hmm. in the next year or two. Um, it's definitely going to be atypical okay. for the whole of South Africa, I feel. Mm. Um, and I just wish, yeah, people should think outside the box and not always just concentrate on the big extracted wines and alcoholic wines that they probably used to in South mm -hmm. Africa. So this is going to be more for the Sarkande side, a more old world classical mm. vintage. Okay. Um, so yeah, looking forward to... to you know, I think um, there is a mindset that has changed about high alcohol wines, especially yeah. because people now drive mm. to parties or restaurants and things. They do start to pick the lower alcohol wines. So it might be a good thing <laughs> that yeah. 2019 brought some lower alcohols. Um, in my case, I like that. So, okay. 
Fantastic. Um, Rutke, it was wonderful to chat to you and I wish you all the best for the future and um, that you and Jose will keep creating these amazing, amazing wines here out of Yonkersuk Valley and I'm definitely going to pop in the tasting room now and get me some good wines. Yeah, definitely. You can go and sit down and taste some of the wines. Thank you for, for coming out and having this discussion with me. Thank you. This episode was recorded and produced by me. Amanda Fisser. I hope you enjoyed it.